21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. Most leaders can't see the gap. It's a blind spot. It is the thing that they don't, don't, don't know. 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 Well, what's happened is because of COVID, um, a lot of people are moving out of uh, the San Jose area, the Bay Area. Really? Uh, because, yeah, because they don't have to physically be there anymore, uh, right? Okay. They they can work remotely, right? A lot of COVID, you know, in the United States, you know, people really don't go into the office that much anymore. And so they're working virtually like this. And, um, and so if you're really working from home, why would you pay, you yeah, know, sure. Bay Area prices to live? You know, everything is more expensive, you know, housing, food, gas, everything. Hi, Alex. How are you today? My Good, name. Martin. How are you? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm not in California, as, as you told me a couple of minutes before. Uh, there are less tourists than before. Yeah. Well, are the everywhere, streets right? empty? Uh, it's full of more locals than it uh -huh. is tourists. And uh, I think everybody's doing uh, the best they can to adapt to this next normal uh, in how we live. But the, the business is still going on. I think the businesses are adapting to the new environment. And the new environment is more than uh, physical changes in going to the office and uh, uh, the normal rhythms of life. I think the physical, you know, the, the, the new normal or the next normal is more about how are we, uh, how are we translating our ideas, our transformation ideas, our innovation ideas, and how are we translating those into more successful outcomes? What, what the pandemic has done has it's forced us to focus. It's forced us to be more precise so that we can't uh, do uh, the same things the way we used to do. We have to we have to produce faster results. We have to, you know, if we there's a lot of good ideas, and and we need to get more of them to generate value. Can you please define the context uh, in a matter of next normal and new environment? Yeah, um, the next normal really is that, you know, we're by nature, we work in rhythms, we work in patterns of wanting to rely on what we know. And, you know, especially in 2019 and early 2020, you know, the economy was doing fairly well globally, there was a lot of, of opportunity. And rather, you know, rather than trying to really narrow in and say, okay, look, we're, we're, we're creating a lot of good ideas. There's opportunities to create more value, to, to grow our companies uh, and trying to make some changes to really capitalize on those. 
what happened was, you know, there was more reliance on the biases that we have about how things should work. And we just kind of plowed ahead because we were trying to keep up with the pace of the expectations. And the way that, you know, as people, as leaders, as, as business people, we try to simply match the pace of expectation and almost look at, uh, are we doing it the best way possible as a sort of secondary, third, you know, tertiary consideration. And I think that, you know, this next normal is, is again, focusing to, you know, helping us focus and narrow our uh, view of how we run business to be more precise. Because the environment has shown that how fragile it is, right? We had a, a we have a global pandemic that has um, created or forced us to change the way we, we act on a day-to-day -day basis and how we interact with other people on a day-to-day -day basis. And, you know, similar to 2008, 2009, it again revealed that as, you know, as things change in the world, that our businesses and our ability to grow and our ability to meet the expectations uh, of our customers and our, our shareholders and our investors is very fragile. And if we are not adapting, if we're not narrowing down and beginning to able to identify what's going to work and what's not going to work and why isn't it going to work, that and we just plow ahead and, and, and try to do things the same old way with new ideas, with transformation and innovation, that it's not going to match up. And the data, you know, has, you know, all the, the academic studies and, and private sector management consulting studies show that it isn't adding up, right? That, um, you know, those that try to do transformation and innovation in, through their traditional operating practices uh, don't, they, you know, they, they don't produce the results. 80% of what they do doesn't work. Uh, companies are missing 72% of the opportunities that, you know, is quoted by Accenture, you know, that, that, uh, that they could have capitalized on. Growth up, true growth opportunities. And, and the challenge right now is it's about making that shift. It's about, you know, understanding more that, you know, we're not going to get better results out of just, you know, getting tighter strategy or uh, implementing more rigorous, uh, you know, delivery management models, you know, and being more uh, um, micromanaging the process. That's not going to work. Right. It, it, people have been doing that for 20, 30 years. Right. It's it's, uh, you know, the attitude of saying, oh, look, we're just going to put more process on top of what we're doing is not going to produce a better result. The process is not broken. What's broken is that we use too many biases in our decision making and make too many assumptions that lead us in the wrong direction. And then our processes are trying to make up the gap. And unfortunately, the pace is too fast, the gap gets too big, and we can't get there. And we have to either abandon the idea that could have been amazing, uh, or you know, we get to some you know, less than optimal version of that idea coming up.
most leaders can't see the gap. It's a blind spot. It is the thing that they don't don't know. know. Let's go back a little bit to you. Uh, Taking you as an example regarding acting on a day-to-day basis, what is your new daily routine? My daily routine is largely uh, about staying connected uh, with our internal teams and staying connected with our customers from a leadership standpoint uh, so that, you know, we don't get lost in the process. It's very, you know, when you're working remotely and you have teams and customers uh, and vendors and solutions that are trying to be brought to, to market in a very remote way, uh, you can become very insulated. Right? You're not as connected to other people. And even if you have some people in the office, uh, it's a limited amount of people right? to prevent um, you know, a health risk. And so it still doesn't cure the transition. It doesn't solve the transition. And so I spend a lot of time staying connected. I stay, you know, I, I do, I write articles on a weekly basis. I communicate directly with customers, have uh, video calls with uh, our teams, see how they're doing. Um, and what we, what we really do more than anything internally, I think right now is that we have really heightened, we've done two very significant things. We have heightened the importance of our values and culture as a company right? We've, we've really leaned into those heavily. And at the same time, we have tried to, as much as possible, strip out process, strip out overhead, red tape, um, things that uh, frustrate people. Because I think that what we're seeing is that there are companies, it, it's almost as if the, the industry is bifurcating. You know, the global industries are bifurcating. There is a camp of people who are uh, basically hunkering down. They're, 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 they're just putting their heads down, putting more rigid processes in place to control more, to try to stabilize the environment, and waiting out the pandemic, right? Waiting out the situation in terms of what's going to happen. And then there's another group of people who are saying, this is simply a trigger for reinvention. It is a time for reinvention. It is a time for rethinking how we do things and how we see things and approach things so that we can flourish, we can thrive going forward. And it's not to say that those companies that are hunkering down won't thrive. The challenges that they have are that, uh, that bureaucracy, that, that stubbornness in some ways, is going to limit their momentum. It's going to limit their ability to catapult into the next generation of whatever, fill in the blank. And those that are adapting, the challenge that they have is over-adapting. It's it's going too far with um, what they're trying to accomplish. And so as a result, it's... uh, you know, there's risk on either end. It's just like a normal distribution curve, right? You have tails of extreme, and then you have uh, a division in the middle of the of the curve. And so, as a result, you know, you have some that are being conserved, very conservative, and very 
um, wait and see. And there are others that are jumping, trying to jump out in front of things and be more uh, proactive and, and reinvent how they do the work. And it doesn't matter about scale. You could be a 10 person company, you could be you know, a 50,000 person company. Um, it, it, you know, it's, it's a mindset that's driven more by um, the direction of leadership and then uh, how does it go? And for us, you know, we're relying on culture. We're relying on our values to enhance uh, how we thrive going forward. deep a little bit more into getting lost yes in a matter of process personal experience focusing it goes back to very simple human conditions right it's almost like the maslow hierarchy of needs you know you need to feel safe you need to have that that safety component and and in some ways uh you know as i said you know there are there are there are ways, there are different ways to get lost in, in today's uh, world, in today's economic business world. And you can get lost by um, shutting yourself off from what's happening, right? And trying to say, look, you know, this is the way we've always done it. This is the stuff we have invested in. Even if you were investing in some good ideas in July of 2019 and you started to ramp them up and and whatever, and now you're, you know, you're in late 2020, there are, there are those that will want to say, look, we're going to just, we're going to, we're going to stick to this plan and we're going to keep on going. And they, and they get lost in their own um, vision. They get lost in their own uh, stubbornness sometimes around, uh, you know, where they're trying to go. And because it's safe. It, it's very insulating. It feels, you know, it's like, I have control over this. I know what I'm doing. I'm driving this thing. And now I just need the rest of the world to see that I'm right. And they're going to continue to drive towards that direction. On the other side of the coin, there are those that are lost because they are in this process of reinvention or they're trying to be aggressive in their transformations. And they feel that 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 you know what's what's producing is that feeling that they're leaving their traditional way of of working and and uh business offerings and that they are very exposed and 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 to some degree they're going uh you know aggressively forward and they can feel that sense that uh you know they're treading new ground which can be very exciting but at the same time uh, there's some lack of grounding and in both cases, the thing that is affecting most leaders and decision makers in companies, regardless of scale, is the biases that they have and how they see uh, their ability to deliver the ideas that they have, right? And, and the biggest thing that has come out in probably the last you know, three years, four years, is this real maturity in companies accepting the the innovation process the transformation process 
and and really saying yes we're going to lean into this we're going to commit to this and we're going to drive innovation we're going to we're going to open up our business to innovation we're going to create transformation and, and give ourselves the ability to go fully into this digitalized world and and commit to that and trying to explore what does that mean right what you know what does this digitalization mean what is what does that actually do but what then they get to that transition point of saying, okay, I've created all these great ideas, right? Even for a small business owner, right? I've created, I've got a new idea. I've got a, you know, we've been in business for a certain period of time and I've got an idea of how to move forward. They're going to rely on that sort of like, well, this is what I know. And they're going to apply their biases. Oh yeah. Well, I know everything that's wrong in my business. So I, I know that this is going to happen and we're just going to keep on going and we're going to correct it as we go. And the same thing happens within large entities. And what the academic and management consulting studies and data keep repeatedly coming back with, regardless of what era we are in, what type of innovation we are doing or transformation that we are doing, is that it's an 80-20 rule. You have a 20% chance that your idea is actually going to get through the execution process, the doing process, right? And get to the point where you can actually present it to the world and see whether or not the idea was a good idea or not, right? Only 20% of them get to that point where they are fully delivered. And then when they're delivered, then it's figuring out, okay, was the idea a good idea, right? And so 80% of some amazing opportunities really die in the execution process. And they die in the execution process because execution is still viewed as this black box. It is still viewed as this mystery process. And oftentimes, execution is left to hope, right? So we're either, and, and so in order to get it to work better, what they try to do is they say, look, we're gonna really narrow the strategy down. We're gonna do a lot more research on strategy. We're gonna really vet this out. Or they go into their, uh, into their uh, you know, portfolio management process to actually deliver the, you know, the mechanics of delivery. And they try to really ratchet it down. They try to say, look, we're going to, we're going to eliminate every risk. We're going to have these, the new thing is to say, we're going to fail fast, right? We're going to go out and we're going to fail fast. What I take away from that is um, you're, you're basically throwing spaghetti on the wall to see if it works. And that hasn't changed in 20, 30 years, right? If not 50 years. That, that attitude is like, well, instead of watching the spaghetti drip down the wall, I'm just going to pull it off the wall faster, right? But it, it, it hasn't, that's the only resolution. It's either better strategy or tighter, more controlled delivery of the process. And neither one works. And neither one has ever worked. And, and, it's, and it's because we keep introducing our biases into the process. We keep introducing our biases into the process. Into the process. We keep introducing our biases into the process. Into the process. If you go to uh, my website, remscore.com, there's a model that I delivered or developed about uh, 15, 20 years ago. Where basically it says, look, you know, on the, on the y-axis, you have sort of the iteration of your company. And on the x-axis, you have time. And, and there's a box there, right, in the bottom left-hand corner. And basically that box is your operations today. It's your business today, right? And there are people in process and technology that have been hired 
developed and refined to meet the current need of today's environment, what you know as a leader, what you know as a, 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 a business person. But then you come up with the next transformational idea, right? You say, okay, look, we need to, we need to uh, go and acquire a business to help us grow our product set. We need to go and uh, migrate to cloud. We need to uh, introduce AI or machine learning into our environment to become better, that next iteration, right, of what our business will become, right? So let's draw, you know, visualize drawing a line from that bottom left-hand corner up into the right, right? Every management person's favorite direction, up into the right as a straight line. And the next iteration of ourselves is up into the right. It's a direct movement up to the right. The amount of overlap there is between that future state, that next iteration of our business, and our current state, the overlap of how aggressive that goes out, right? That's what you get to keep. <laughs> That's the people, process, and technology you get to keep. Everything below that doesn't apply anymore. And that means that in order to do this future state, you need all new people, process, and technology. And it's the lack of understanding that gap as leaders and measuring that gap, truly having a metric to it, is the root cause why so much transformation and innovation fails. That, that is the, the base, core, foundational root reason why. Because people feel it's like, look, I've, hired, I've, I've gone through this amazing hiring process and I'm hiring amazing people. Yeah, you are. And I've developed these amazing streamlined processes. You know, they're cost effective. They're, they're very efficient. Yeah, you have. We've built technology. We have some legacy technology. We have some new technology, but our technology is solid and it's helping us. You know, we may need more technology, but our technology is good. Yeah, you're right. But I hate to tell you that all of those things are built for today. They don't support tomorrow. And you've got to figure out where that gap is. And, you know, and it, the thing that I continue to see is management consulting firms and, and you know, in some degree academics coming back and saying, well, you have, to, you have to set a higher bar as a CEO, right? You have to set more expectation in the delivery. You have to, you have to really define the problem better. You have to, you have to uh, while you're doing transformation, while you're in operations, you have to enhance your capabilities, right? Well, that's contrary to basically most modern management principles, right? I mean, you know, most companies in manufacturing do just-in-time delivery of their needed resources, right? They don't stockpile resources in a warehouse, because it costs them too much. So why are you stockpiling uh, staff? Why are you stockpiling skills that you have no idea if those skills are gonna be applicable to your future need, right? You have to be, you know, the, the, the companies of the future who are going to thrive, regardless of whether you're in a conservative position or a transformative or this sort of next normal position, regardless of which side of the line you're on, those companies have to learn to be more capable in assessing their execution uh, blind spots, right? The things that they don't do well and being able to quickly fill those with people, process and technology that allows them to deliver the idea. 
But to say that you're going to continue to invest in your business and build people and build skill sets and build assets and, and, and accumulate these assets is, is the same as saying that I'm a manufacturer and I'm just going to start building warehouses and pack them full of assets, you know, resources, right? And every model tells you it do, that, that model doesn't work. Yet we still, from a bias perspective, continue to go back and stockpile assets. Oh, we're going to hire these people. We're going to, we're going to develop these processes. We're going to build this technology. And what you realize is that that next generation that you have no idea what it's going to do, that next iteration, you're going to go out and implement machine learning or artificial intelligence. You're going to go out and migrate everything to the cloud, or you're going to acquire five companies to help you grow. And you have no understanding of what skills, people, process, and technology you're going to need to make those things successful, yet you're sitting there and stockpiling it based on your biases when really what you needed to be able to do is evolve to stripping the biases out, right? Clean the windshield <laughs> a little bit, right? Have clarity on what the gap is, how, how deep that gap is in capabilities, and then staff to that gap. Make it work and then repeat over and over again, because that is what's going to give you speed to market. That is what's going to give you a higher percentage of your ideas actually getting through the execution process, because you're going to see the blind spots that you have. You're not going to simply try to roll over them or, or, or ratchet them down. And you're going to adapt to them, which is going to allow your company to thrive within that next transformation or innovation idea. Stack to that gap, make it work, and then repeat over and over again. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. When you do the transformation, yes. can you give us some examples of reference points of view? So, sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we, I'll give you a case study as an example. We had a client who was. Uh, look, uh, a financial client who was modernizing their entire actuarial process, right? The method by which they calculated their, their risk and uh, were able to uh, forecast how they were going to make investments. And this effort, uh, you know, was reliant on um, a team of actuaries, and I don't know if you've ever worked with actuaries, it's like, it's like dealing with clinical scientists. They're very, um, they're just very analytical people and they're very complicated people to work with. They, you know, they're super intelligent people. And they had a very particular way of looking at how they were going to do this, which in essence alienated the rest of the business. They just, they were purely looking at what their need was in terms of being able to run more efficient calculations, right? There was a lot of, of other detail, but the, the crux of it is they needed to run calculations, right? And their leadership was very uh, stubborn about how they were gonna go about uh, transform, doing the digital transformation of their uh, actuarial uh, method. Then there was the rest of the organization, right? The, the, the chief financial officer, 
needed data out of the actuarial group in order to satisfy Sarbanes-Oxley legislation. They needed, you know, the CEO needed to be able to report to the board and run forecasting. Uh, operations needed to understand uh, adaptively what they were going to need to be able to do in terms of hiring and adjusting. Um, the investment group needed to understand, okay, if we're moving into this direction in the portfolio, what is that going to do the overall uh, risk profile of what we're doing in terms of serving uh, our, our customers? And, and they were gonna barrel forward in, in investing 50, $75 million in modernizing their actuarial uh, component in doing that digital transformation process. And, you know, they 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 actually turned to us and said, "Look, you know, we need to we need to see our blind spots here. We we don't know what we don't know, right? And we've tried other initiatives like this internally. Um, we have uh, struggled with them, uh, and uh, it, it almost costs a lot of people, a lot of leadership, their jobs, and and a lot of vendors their jobs." Um, and we don't want to repeat this. We, we've got to get through this clean and we have to show what we can do well. And so we went in and, and you know, we ran uh, our platform, which is called RemScore, in essence, that, that scores their uh, execution capability and reveals the blind spots that were going to fracture their uh, digital transformation effort and actually, you know, be the things that potentially could cause the failure and or a black swan event within that context. And, this, and the results came back that, you know, they had four critical areas of, um, of vulnerability, of, of blind spot. And one of them was, you know, that their vision, the vision for what this thing needed to do was not clear, right? And, that, and because of that, you had a, a massive amount of disparity between all of the major stakeholders in terms of what this effort was supposed to accomplish, which was gonna create chaos midstream, right? Suddenly people said, okay, let me see the prototype. Let me see where we're going. Let me see how this is gonna work. And you were gonna have millions of dollars of effort and, and many months of work. And suddenly it was gonna be revealed and people were gonna be like, yeah, this doesn't meet our need. And, and that's when the whole thing would have spiraled. And what they did is they stopped everything they were doing. They took our score and they spent uh, six, nine months correcting and adjusting those blind spots, those vulnerabilities that were going to directly impact their ability to deliver that solution, that digital transformation effort. Um, the net result was that they delivered that effort twice as fast at two thirds the cost because they were not having to deal with the impediments as they came into them, mm -hmm. right? You know, they, they weren't driving with mud on a windshield, trying to figure out what they were gonna hit, <laughs> you know, to put it in simple terms. And so that allowed them a very clear line of vision for how to get from where they were to where they wanted to be that engaged the needs of the business from a digital transformation side and it minimized the cost and waste in association. And that in and of itself reduced the stress on the business because the outcome was very clear, but also the people participating in that transformation effort were not fighting 
all of these little uh, battles as they went along, right? That we're, that we're going to eventually derail it. But to say that, you know, as a leader, you needed to, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, have a clearer vision or to say that you had to, that's not enough. It's too high level. It's too 10,000 feet, 15,000 feet. You needed to understand functionally at a 5,000 foot level, stripping away the biases, what is in my way? What, what am I blind to in this process that isn't going to let me get there? And so, you know, I talk about that in the book, uh, Measure, Execute, Win. And I talk about other case studies in there in, in terms of how Gatorade was procured versus Snapple. I talk about um, the approach around that. But at the end of the day, if, if businesses can learn to, to focus more on understanding their capabilities for the current need, because that need, as we all know, is changing so fast. Strategy is changing two to three times a year. You know, the uh, uh, digital transformation innovation is transforming our businesses multiple directions every year, right? If we can be better at adapting to what the needs of the business are and start to strip away this bias of saying, oh, no, no, we're really good at that. Oh, we know how to do that. Oh, we've done that before. Or we have all these capabilities. Or, oh, I've done this for 25 years. I know exactly how that's going to go. If we can get rid of a lot of that thinking and start to think about, hey, you know, what is our need now and take a just-in-time model of I'm going to bring in people, process, and technology that are going to directly impact my ability to deliver my idea now, we're going to start to see an increase in the execution, successful execution of ideas, creating opportunities. And it's been my longstanding position that, you know, global markets are underperforming by a minimum of 50%. And so if we can remove that failure rate, we can remove that wasted opportunity, we're not going to, we're not going to simply sustain, we're going to start to see this, this expansive growth in global markets that are really going to begin to bring all of this powerful thinking to bear. Uh, and we're going to start to see startups who are going to produce massive, uh, game-changing results. We're going to start to see established companies that are going to be less affected by the startups taking up their space because they're going to themselves be able to evolve faster because they're not going to be locked into the biases that are uh, preventing them from delivering transformation innovation. I just love your way of thinking. I mean, when you speak about, let's call it business nature, about rhythm, perception, values, the mindset, change, biases, exploration, iteration, stripping out process, the feedback loop, values, personal and business boundaries, ongoing shift, maturity, flexibility versus control, etc. Are you teaching or coaching or mentoring leaders how to change their mindset and start thinking and acting on that kind of holistic way?
through the process of uh, being able to help companies see their blind spots, reveal their transformation blind spots. You know, it's, it's a, it is obviously a teaching moment, but it's a self-correcting thing, right? Because when they start to see the data come back, right, that only takes a couple of weeks to really synthesize completely, right? This is not months and months of analysis. This is days and weeks of data capture uh, that's done, you know, in a very specific way that they start to see. It's like, ah, you know, if I had gone forward, I would have, I have really would have tripped over this issue or I would have not understood that. And it, and it opens up the conversation. It opens up the business. It opens up their ability to hear the information and they begin to really realize, you know, I'm, I'm good at taking in the information and processing it. Saying that I've done this 15 times before does nothing for this time, right? I mean, what that 15 times of doing something, that history, that, that, that 10 year career, 20, 30, 40 year career of doing things, yeah, you have experience in it and there has some value in there, right? That, that, I'm not discounting that. What, what I'm trying to offer is that what you've learned over that period of time is how to process the information. But because of your bias, what you're relying is, your reliance is on what was the true experience versus how did I learn to process the information better? And what I'm saying is you just need more information. You need more execution information so that you can put it into your processing engine, your, your wood chipper, right? I call it the wood chipper, right? And be able to produce the right outcome, right? And, and that's the thing that I think leaders are really beginning to take away from what I'm talking about and, and you know, what our platform does is that they start to see, ah, no matter, no matter how good I think I am today, this next shift into the future, I'm, I'm creating a gap. And that's the thing, what I don't understand as a leader is I don't understand how deep or impactful that gap is. And so as a result, I have to have a way to, to reveal that, to flush it out. And in, in once I know what that gap is as a leader, because of my experience, I know how to fix that. That's what I know how to do. I know how to fill that gap. I know how to create stability so that the idea now can actually thrive. It can flourish. It can actually realize its, its potential. Right. And then, you know, then it comes down to, it's like, was it a bad idea? You know, it's like that, that's, that's a different evaluation that we, I don't deal with, but what I'm trying to do is get you through the execution piece. Cause I believe truly that too many good opportunities, too many good ideas are dying in the execution process. Self-correcting thing. When they start to So where can we reach you out? My LinkedIn profile uh, has got a lot of articles. Um, uh, Remscore.com has videos, articles. You can read my book uh, about it. You can uh, reach out to me and I'm happy to do, you know, I do corporate talks. I do uh, uh, conference, you know, talk to conferences sometimes um, or just a one-on-one -on -one in terms of just working through where is the gap 
in terms of what you're what you're trying to do because if you can see it you can address it and the problem is that most leaders can't see you know the gap it's a blind spot it is the thing that they don't know because they're using assumptions and biases to fill that space because they haven't had access to the data before and now that data can be available and now they can say ah all right <laughs> you know we have a vision problem here so i need to go out and figure out exactly how to you know what's driving this and how do i fill that because if i fill that vision issue people will be like ah i get it i'm on board now now i can move right it's fun to watch it happen you know it's fun to watch um, i get a lot of satisfaction out of uh you know customers that you know uh, apply this model and suddenly they they see the vulnerability they see the blind spot they address it and their idea really takes off and you know they're so excited about that it, you know that it's it's a real it's a real joy to see that happen to those that are listening i think that it's your your challenge is not your ideas you know and i and i'm sure that a lot of people feel this way is that they have really good ideas they have great transformation ideas, great innovation ideas. And what they fear the most is taking it from, is being from here to the point that they can actually see it in action, right? So leverage this type of thought process and, and understanding the gap so you can execute the idea, get it to market, get it, you know, within the company, you know, either back office or externally, and then start to see it really flourish. Uh, because the, the thinking that you're doing is good thinking, you know, you, you, you've got it now. Let's, let's get it there. Thanks, Alex. It was really a pleasure discussing with you, your topics. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. And, uh, I hope, uh, folks get a, you know, uh, get some value out of this time. 21st century entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. Spread the word by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. <laughs>